Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Frankie Mezapika. The title of the message is Do Not Be Discouraged. Do not be discouraged. It is so easy to have a goal and then look at your life and say, I am so behind of what I'm looking for. Um, if you're older than the age of 30, you have already begun to think this thought. That you had plans, you had a trajectory, and now you're looking at the pace of that trajectory and you're going, I am so far behind. Uh, at this pace, uh, I am going to come nowhere close to where I wanted to be in life. And it is so easy to get discouraged. You know, my eight-year-old has already picked out names for her children. <laughs> already. And uh, she's up in her game room, and I can hear her talking. And she's got, you know, a husband, a wife talking to each other. It's like some teddy bear and another teddy bear. And they got little teddy bear children. And uh, she's already practicing on what a, a family is going to be like. And this is why whenever a boy and a girl meet each other um, and they start dating, the guy has no idea how to be as mature as them because they have been practicing for 13, 14, 15 years. And so the boys have been playing war with Nerf guns and we're getting hit all over the place. It takes us about 30 years to catch up. Um, but, you know, you plan for your family. You have um, plans for your children. You have a vision of what life is going to be like. I remember riding my bike through rich neighborhoods and pointed houses that were real big and said, well, I'm going to have a house like that. I'm going to have a house like that. And, uh, and then all of a sudden you turn around and you go, this is not part of the plan. And discouragement sets in very, very quickly. And then when you want to like break out of this funk or this trench and you're like, I'm going to change everything, there's so much fear because uh, what you are experiencing is at least good. It may not be great. And if you try to take a risk and step out for great, you may lose what's good. Are you with me? Say yes. Come on, encourage me. Are you with me? Say yes. I want to share a, a verse with you, and it's going to be the foundation of uh, my message. There's three sentences within this verse, and each of those sentences are going to be my major points. The first sentence is my first point, second sentence is my second point, and so on. But this is what the scripture says in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. It reads like this. It says, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be discouraged, because I am your God. Isn't that good already? Like, we haven't even gotten to the second and third verse, and it's like, ah, oh, I love you. It says, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be discouraged, for I am your God. And then it says, I 
will strengthen you and I will help you. I will lift you up. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Doesn't that sound good? Come on, put your hands together that. I will hold you up. And so let's just begin to unpack uh, that verse. And the first verse says this, I uh, don't be afraid, don't, uh, don't worry, I'm with you. Uh, don't be discouraged. And so let's unpack that. Um, I, along with you, have had these fears. And I've been open and I've been transparent that uh, one of the biggest challenges in my life is, is I fight depression often. Um, everybody fights something. Everybody has an Achilles heel. And I can say a lot of times I'm winning. And then there's other times where I don't know what's happening. Um, but that's the battle that I fight. And it's, it's something that um, I'm just constantly aware of. And my wife, my, oh, thank God for my wife, uh, she knows when I'm in a dip. And uh, she knows exactly what to do. And usually it's just, hey, give them space, put ice cream in the freezer. <laughs> and within a, 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 hopefully within a couple of days, uh, he'll be out of it. And it's very difficult to pray during that season because typically when I pray, I don't like telling people this because it's, it's not a comparison game, but typically when I pray, I pray for a few hours. Um, but when I'm in this slump, I, I can only get like a sentence out or a whisper out. And uh, it's, it's discouraging. And it's, um, uh, somebody asked one time, what does it feel like? And, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm afraid. And I'm well aware of the scriptures where uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, which right there you realize that fear is a spirit. And so you just realize fear is not an emotion, it feels like an emotion. Uh, it feels like a thought, but it's not. It's a spirit. And, 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 and you recognize in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, that you are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but instead you are fighting against rulers and authorities in this unseen world. You're fighting against mighty powers in this dark world. Just nod at me if you know this world is dark. Come on. And I, I appreciate the volume. It encourages me. Come on, help me out. But it also says that we're wrestling against spirits in heavenly places. This is the fight. This is the battle. And, and the Lord's scripture says, do not be afraid for I'm with you. Do not be discouraged, for I am your God. There's a, a sport out there called uh, Spelking. Spelliking. Um, I have trouble pronouncing it. Spelliking, that's it. Spelliking. I have trouble pronouncing it because it is. I have trouble understanding why people would ever do this. Spelking? What is it? Splunking. Spurlunking. All right, spurlunking. Look at these guys. So the whole, <laughs> I just heard someone go, nope. Um, 
this sport, if you will, is to look for caves that have very tight crevices and you crawl through them to see what's on the other side. I don't want to go to the other side. I like where I'm at. Um, but they crawl through these tight cracks, and a lot of times it involves grappling or ascending on, on sharp areas. But the whole point is, is they are looking, they are looking for crevices and cracks to squeeze themselves through. And I was reading uh, about this gentleman. Uh, it was an article. His name, uh, his name was Philip. And somebody was writing the article about Philip. And uh, Philip had never been, I'm not even going to try to say it again. He had never done anything like this before. So he, he went and he hired a guide and said, this is something I've always wanted to do. Will you take me with you? And so the guide, as I read the article again, this was a third person writing the article about Philip, and, and he, he got the guide, and the guide began to uh, take him to a particular cave, and, uh, and then the crevices that they were sliding through were getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And then at one point, they had to get on their back. And they had to push themselves through this crevice. So they were on their back. And, and uh, at first, there, there was enough room for their knees to be up and push themselves backwards. Uh, and then it got so tight that they could no longer lift their knees. Um, they were pushing themselves backwards with their hands. Then it got even tighter than that. Uh, where they couldn't lift their, they couldn't fill their lungs up with fully with air. They had to only partially breathe, and they had their face sideways, and they were pushing themselves backwards. Well, Philip started to panic, as you would imagine. But he started to panic, and he started to hyperventilate and. And he said to his guide, he said, hey, I'm scared. I'm scared and I can't breathe. And the guide said, you know, just, just stay with me. Uh, we're going to be okay. And so a few moments later after they pushed themselves a little bit further, um, as I was reading, Philip said, uh, I'm not okay. Not okay. Uh, I'm not going to make it. Um, and the guide said, Listen, I, I don't want you to concentrate about anything else. Don't think about anything else. I just want you to listen to my voice. Just listen to my voice. Well, Philip died that day in the crevice. No, he didn't. I was just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He didn't die. He didn't die. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he, he listened to his voice. The guy kept on talking. He got out on the other side, and, and he was able to tell the story, and the article was written. 
Um, <laughs> some of you are never going to forgive me for that. But, but uh, he got to the other side, and um, you guys are already ahead of me. Uh, the only way he got through is he just kept on listening to the voice, and, and the guy just kept talking. He kept talking. He kept talking. And he just concentrated on, on what the guide was saying, and he got through. You know, it's hard. It's, it's sincerely hard to lean into the Lord and say, I'm scared. I'm scared. Usually when we're discouraged, we're just thinking it. Uh, usually when we feel like the season that we're in is never going to change, we just try to get used to it. Uh, we try to get used to it, and we try to just kind of adjust as life goes on. And at best, best case scenario, um, we can get through one day at a time. In seasons like that, you're not trying to get through the week. You're not trying to get through the month. You're not even trying to get through the year. You're trying to get through the moment. If I can get through this moment and, and be okay. And before we know it, all we're trying to do is get through one moment after the next. And it's the enemy's trap. It's the enemy's ploy to try to get us to be consumed with fear and discouragement. But I want to tell you this. One whisper to the Holy Spirit begins to change the tide. Come on. It begins to change the tide of your life. I want to challenge you. Whisper, open your mouth and say something to the Lord. It doesn't matter what you say, just as long as some words are coming out of your mouth. That you're saying, I need you. And maybe that's all you say. I love you. Or you say, I'm in trouble. I need you. It's, it's words like that where you begin to feel strength. You begin to feel it. And that takes me into my second point. I will strengthen you and help you. I will strengthen you and help you. You know, I, I, I talk to people all the time about prayer because, um, you know, every pastor has a, a primary passion that they love to talk about the most. Uh, for some pastors, they love to talk about mercy. Other pastors, they like to talk about grace. Other pastors, they like to talk about prosperity. For me, all those things are in the Bible. Um, but pastors gravitate towards certain topics. And for me, um, almost to an error by not talking about other things, uh, I talk about prayer. I'm constantly talking about prayer. And uh, I, I want to say to everyone here that your prayer life will drastically begin to build momentum and be exciting if before you say one word to God, you take a minute to realize who you're talking to. You take a minute to realize how vast he is, how, how he has that his being has no end. 
A lot of times when we pray, we still see Jesus as a person. But I want you to know that Jesus is not a human being anymore. The Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus says this, that I and the Father are one. It's hard to wrap our mind around that. But I can look at you and say, your body and your spirit and your soul are one. I can't separate your spirit from, from your body. Your body is, is flesh and bone. If I want to say, I want to find the real you. And so I'm going to put you in front of an x-ray because I want to find you. I don't want to just look at your arm and your, your, your legs. I want to find you. You. You're, you are a spirit. That's why when you see someone who has passed away, we all think the same thing when we walk past the casket. We all say to ourselves, they're not there. We're looking at their body, but they're not there. How many people have thought that thought at a funeral? You, you look at them and go, they're not there anymore. I'm looking at them, but they're not there anymore. What are you talking about? You know that their spirit is not there anymore. It's your spirit. So how do you separate your spirit and your body? You can't. How do you separate your soul? In the same way, you cannot separate Jesus and the Father. You cannot do it. And so we have to remember that when we pray to Jesus, we're not talking to a person anymore. He's kind enough to uh, allow us for the few on the planet that has ever seen him. He takes a human form. But when you look at him, you know that he's not human anymore. And so when you pray, before you say one word, ask the Holy Spirit, help me Begin to realize who he is. Close your eyes and realize how vast he is. That even space is not beyond his being. That the world, that the stars, that over one billion galaxies are literally within him. There's no outside of him. You're walking in Acts chapter 17, verse 28. It says that we walk within him and find our being within him. And when you begin to focus on who you are talking to, you will realize that your prayers are no longer casual. They're no longer, Jesus, I love you, I thank you, I need you, I love you, I thank you. Thank you so much for all you've done. No, you're not talking to a person. You're talking to the source of everything. The source of life, the source, come on, help me out. You're talking to a God. A God. 
I'm not saying that right. You are talking to the God of the war of the universe. So he says, I will strengthen you. I will give you help. Now the last and final point is the last verse or the last sentence in that verse. Where he says this, I will hold you up with my victorious hand. You know, in, when you see a mother or you see a father holding hands with their child as they're walking across the street. Or they're walking from their car into a grocery store. They're holding their child's hand. Whose responsibility is it to make sure that those hands do not separate? Whose responsibility is it? I know it's obvious, but just say it anyway. Whose responsibility is it? It's the parent's responsibility. Why is that? Because the child, on the first thing that distracts them, they just wander off. Look how fast I can run with their squeaky shoes. Squeak, 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 bam. It's the father, it's the mother that takes responsibility to hang on with their virtuous, their victorious hand. How many times in your life, how many times in your life have you done the very best you could to complicate your life? I mean, you really gave it your best shot. I mean, I've got countless times when I look back and I was like, that was my best shot to mess my life up completely. I mean, I really tried. I saw an opportunity and I thought to myself, if I go down this road, I'm going to mess my life up. Here we go. Let's do it. And how many times have we made the wrong decision over and over and over again? And the Lord, looking back, you felt alone, but he hung on, not just with his hand, but a virtuous hand that has never, ever lost. It's never lost. He's hung on and he's hung on tight. And I want you to know, for everyone in this room, you're in a season where you're saying to yourself, guess what? I, I, I clawed my way into this church this morning. I've clawed my way because deep down inside, I am so discouraged with life. And I'm discouraged with my relationship with God because it's been so inconsistent. Because my prayers have been absent, because my prayers have been lifeless, because I've got a secret sin that nobody knows about, a secret addiction that nobody knows about, and it is exhausting hiding it. And you come to the Lord, you come into the church, you put your eyes up, you lift your chin up, and you don't know where you stand. And I just want you to know, that though you can't feel it with your flesh, he is squeezing your hand with his victorious hand. And his patience, 
does not wear thin. It's not like he's going and he's to your rescue. It's not like he's looking at you and saying, how many times are we going to have to do this? The Bible says this in Psalms 103 verse, uh, I think it's 14, where it says this, I know how you were formed. I remember that you were made from dust. When he's looking at us, he's saying to himself, these are my children, but their flesh was made from dust. They don't have a chance on being strong without me. And so he comes as a very present power, a present grace in time of trouble. Do you love the Lord today? Come on, put your hands together for that. Do you love the Lord today? I want to share one last verse with you. It's in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11, where Paul says this, You helped us when you prayed for us. I, I don't know who you love. I don't know who your friends are. I don't know who life is in trouble and it concerns you. I don't know who you look at and you think to yourself, their heart seems to be made of stone. But you help them when you pray for them. You help them. The, the, the stony heart begins to chip away. The addictions begin to be disgusting. You help them when you pray for them. And you go, well, you don't know how crazy they are. Well, I would say, you're exactly right. I don't know how crazy they are. But you don't know how crazy I am either. I don't know how crazy you are. And if the Lord can save us, he can save them. Do you believe that? Come on. Absolutely. I'm going to share a video like I do every single week. And it's my prayer that the Holy Spirit would lift your expectations. That if the Lord can do a miracle in their life, He can do a miracle in your life. And for all of you that say, okay, Frankie, this is the part of the service that's really hard for me to believe. And I would say to you, don't feel like a sinner. Don't feel like you're some rocky soul on the way to hell because you don't believe in what you're seeing, the healings, the miracles. It's just you're a linear thinker, you're a logical thinker, and you just can't quite get there. But I would say this, if you don't believe in the testimony of healing. If you don't believe in the testimony of others talking about miracles, could it be that you don't believe in healings? Could it be that you don't believe in miracles? But yet you believe in God. And so I want to encourage you to whisper to the Lord, help me. Just help me. I want that to be true. And I need you to do a miracle in my life. 
So help me. Let's allow this testimony to encourage all of us. Take a look at this. I had been having shoulder pain for in my right shoulder. It's actually a shoulder area between my neck and my shoulder for a couple of months now. And um, I didn't remember any specific injury or anything, any incident that caused that. Um, but I just had been dealing with it. I would wake up with it. Um, and it would just throughout the day be intermittent. And um, last week during service, um, pastor had a word of knowledge and he called out um, right shoulder pain and that it, feel like, it felt like an ice pick. And that was pretty much an exact description of this pain that I'd been having. Um, so I, I did go down uh, to the front and um, there were several people that were experiencing the same thing. And so pastor had said he was going to pray from the stage instead of coming down and so um, he did we're all standing in a line and I remember just before he started to pray that there was a very cool like breeze behind me and I thought oh I wonder if someone just walked behind me um, and I'm, I know that didn't happen because my daughter said she'd been watching me the whole time from from the audience and she said that there was nobody behind me and I know there wasn't anybody behind me but I felt bad, and then when Pastor started praying and was going through the prayer for all of us, um, I did feel in that right shoulder area um, just a warmth, like a, it wasn't heat, but it was like a warm touch, like an actual hand, and there was no one laying hands on me, so um, anyway, I just started to, to feel the healing happen, and um, <clears throat> Pastor had asked us all to begin to do the movements or any movements that would have been causing us pain before, and so I started moving my shoulder around and doing things that, that would have hurt before and it wasn't hurting at all. And um, I'm just, I'm so thankful because I haven't had any of that pain um, ever since. And so I believe I'm healed and I praise him for it. And, and stand to our feet. Um, for those of you that go to church here, I, you know, you already know this, but to everyone else, it is, I've been ruined by the Holy Spirit. I really have. I've been ruined by testimonies like this. And, and what I mean when I say that I've been ruined is I'm well past two decades of pastoring. And I can no longer just open the doors of a church and preach a sermon and say, see you next Sunday. I, I can't do that anymore without giving space for the Holy Spirit to do a miracle. A lot of times we talk, sure, absolutely. It's, it, I've been guilty of talking about miracles, talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about the power, and never giving Him an opportunity to do it. And the reason why I haven't given Him opportunities, I'm too afraid that He won't do anything at all, and then, you know, we look um, like dum-dums. Um, but what I've realized is that if we give him an opportunity, he takes it every time. He takes it every time. 
And so I'd like for our prayer partners uh, to come down if they would. Um, and the reason why we always ask for prayer partners is more healings, more miracles, more testimonies of a financial breakthrough, more testimonies of how families have come together, come from when a prayer partner has prayed for them. You know, this is the only ministry, the prayer partner ministry, that you can't volunteer for. All of these prayer partners have been hand-selected um, because we know that their faith is high. And if, if you're one of those people and you know that, hey, um, I should be up there. Uh, we'll find you. Just don't skip church too much. We'll, we'll find you. Um, when I say we, all the prayer partners are always on the lookout. So um, we got a whole bunch of people looking for you. Sometimes I feel like, um, and I never know until I sit down and I'm watching the testimony video. And I sit there and I'm like, God, is there anyone you want me to pray for? And I do the best I can to hear from God at that moment. And there's some times where I think I'm hearing from God, but it's just me talking to me. And... Um, I'm sure some of you have been there. It's like, God, is that you or is that me? In the times where it's me talking to myself, um, we all find out because I tell you what I believe I've heard. And if nobody raises their hand and says, that's me, then we all see right then and there that I was talking to myself. But if I did hear from God, and that person is courageous enough, they say, I don't, I'm not, I might be embarrassed, but I don't care, and raise their hand and just come out of your seat and stand on the front row. You don't come on the stage. I don't, you know, you just stand on the front row. When the service is over, I take my mic off and I pray for you, and that's all that happens. But if I am hearing from God, the probability of a miracle or a healing taking place in that moment is so high that I am shocked when that person doesn't get healed. Not everyone I pray for gets healed. But in this particular moment of the service, more people get healed than don't. Whenever I pray for them, if I'm willing to take a risk. And so the three impressions or thoughts that I had while sitting on the front row was that someone is got sores in their mouth or a sore. Number two, um, within the last month, it's new. You find yourself blinking a whole bunch because your vision is messing with you just within the last month. Okay, I don't want to go but it, it has started within the last month. 
your vision is, is, you don't know what it is, but you're just blinking a lot. The third one is I'm not sure if it's if it's a mass or if it's cancer or I I don't know. I this is the human side of me where I get frustrated. In first Corinthians chapter um, thirteen verse nine it says that we know in part and we prophesy in part and I get frustrated with the part. I just I want the whole sentence. Like, just help me out. But it's just a part. So I don't know. On the left side, there's like a mass that you're concerned about. Um, is there anyone that falls into those three categories? One of those three categories. Which one is it? The second one. I forgot what the second one was. The your eyes. You were just diagnosed with. Okay. Uh, what is it? There's a mass. Yeah. Um, the first one. I forgot. What the f- I have ADD and I forget what I say. It's no wonder. I, it's a miracle I can get through a sermon without notes. I'm telling you, it's a miracle. I'm not claiming ADD, I'm recognizing ADD. Don't pray for me. It is like I sincerely love it. I really do. It's a it's a gift. It really is. I feel so sorry for you guys. You're like, I can only concentrate on what I'm looking at. Uh, what is it? It's in your mouth. Just the three of you? If one of you comes up to me after service... It says, you were talking to me. I was just too embarrassed to come down. I'm going to put you in a headlock, just so you know. <laughs> Is there anyone else that, that fits this category? Anyone? Was I accurate on all three? On all three. Praise the Lord. Is it your, your eye as well? All right, just back up a few feet and I'm going to pray for you guys. If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes and you are unsure where you would spend eternity, you're the most important person in this room. There's people all over the world that are your age whose heart just stopped beating this week. You never know. And if you're unsure where you would spend eternity, if that were to happen to you in the next five minutes, I want to challenge you to make the decision to devote your entire life to the Lord. To say, regardless of what I desire, regardless of what I want to do with my life, I will choose to love what you love and to hate what you hate. I say choose because it's a decision that you have to make every single day. There's no official dismissal, but if you need prayer for anything, come down and let someone pray with you. And let's
Let's just sing this song one time through before anyone goes. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you and be gracious to you. May the countenance of the Lord be lifted up on you and bring you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.